Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Welcome back to Inside Out. Episode 25 is shared with the beautiful Elise from Mum Inspired, the podcast. Elise and I connected online a few months ago and we are both in really similar journeys throughout motherhood right now. We really wanted to share with you our post-birth realities and just have a raw, unfiltered chat about all things motherhood. In this episode, we share how we are navigating this chaotic and magical season of life and we share what we wish we knew and some of our unexpected experiences in pregnancy and postpartum. There is a lot of laughs in this conversation and I know that this will resonate with so many mamas out there. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone. Today I am here with Chris and she is here with me and we're doing this podcast on each other's. Hi. We are. We've had a very, very similar season of life recently. Literally similar due dates with our babies, mum life, business. So many and it's so funny because we just chat over Instagram and I'll be like, this happened to me and you'll be like, me too. We're in such the same season. Um, So I'm sure that there's so many other mums who are right in it with us right now. So that's why we thought we'd share. Yeah. So to start us off, we wanted to have a bit of a chat about some of the physical things in birth and pregnancy um, that we experienced that we didn't really expect to happen or we weren't informed about, or there's a lot of misinformation surrounding. So what were some things for you? I think my biggest thing, and I was prepared for it because I'd asked a lot of other mums. So Chloe is my third baby. So she's now eight weeks old. Um, but the biggest thing for me had to be the afterbirth pains and the bleeding. So I just, like, I remembered them from when Adrian was born, but they weren't as hectic. Like they ramped up something savage, like, Mm -hmm. and what is it with nature? You're breastfeeding a newborn baby, which is hard in itself because you're trying to get your latch and it's like cracked nipples and all that. And then at the same time, you basically get contractions and you're like trying to sit still, hold the baby on the boob and you're like, oh my gosh. See, I'd never even heard of afterbirth pains when I had Jessie. So when, and I had them after Jessie. And I remember some women around me that were similar ages that have had kids and they were like, what do you mean? Like, I, yeah, I've heard of them, but I didn't get them. Like they were just like little period pains. And I'm like, I feel like I'm having another child. This is so painful. And then they revved up, like you said, with Lola. I had to go back to my GP. So we got home on the Thursday from hospital. On the Friday, I was in so much pain. I went to my doctor. He gave me morphine and what's the other? Endone. Oh and my like, gosh. I was in a great state after that. I was fine for about 12 hours, but then it was like, I think five days they lasted for me. Yeah. They were they, so painful. They really are. And what about, <laughs> this is really gross but you'll get a really intense one and you literally feel a gush of blood and you're like, oh my gosh, I've pretty much just bled it. hundred. And on that, on (laughs) that, that was one of the things that I like, you forget. It sounds so crazy, but you know, I I thought I overprepared packing my hospital bag and I was like, you know, extra pads. I've got extra um, clothes. I've got like three or four sets of pants, underwear, all the things. 
And that wasn't enough. And I was only there for 18 hours. That was not enough. Like I bled through everything and I had to be like, Steve, you need to bring me more clothes. <laughs> so did you, did you find that? Um, I don't, I didn't bleed like heaps. It's just, I'm still bleeding. So I'm eight weeks postpartum, but I didn't really like it there was only a few times where I sort of had an accident where I bled through, but can see, I guess I could wear my maternity pads and like change them regularly. It wasn't that intense, but I know heaps of mums who have had that like you, yeah. where it's just yeah, like, where is all this blood coming from? Yes. I thought something was wrong with me. Like I know I'd no. forgotten how long it lasts. And like you, I think I stopped bleeding at eight weeks postpartum. Mm. Um, but up until then, I went back to my OB at six weeks because so many women around me said that you shouldn't be bleeding this long, like it shouldn't have lasted. So I went back and was like, hey, this is mm. what everyone's saying. And she's like, no, it's totally normal. Like second baby, your uterus is still healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that super interesting that there's so much misinformation surrounding that. Yeah, and I agree. And I think also with subsequent children because you have these expectations based on what your first was like and it's completely different again. Um, so I think I only bled for a few weeks after Zara was born um, because the only reason I remember that is because I clearly remember having sex like at four <laughs> weeks postpartum because I was yeah. I was healed and I was like feeling fine. Um, yeah. But so to still be bleeding at eight weeks, I'm like, what the hell? Um, but it's normal. It's so normal. Hey, normal. Yeah, she was not. My OB was not concerned at all. She's like you're healing, like let your body recover. It's a second, when you go into actually the anatomy of having a baby, like mm. the ins- your insides, what they have done, they have created a life and then we give it a couple of weeks and we're like, why are we still bleeding? Why, mm. you know, we're not giving it the time to heal. Like you've just got to be a little bit more patient, I think in that process because a new mantra that I've been trying to revisit often is it took nine months to get here. It's going to take me nine months to get out of here. And, you know, and that's with my body. I particularly am having a lot of trouble with my lower abdomen. There's a muscle there that hasn't healed like I did the first time. And it's quite painful for things like getting up off the lounge um, when I'm doing any form of core work that I'm trying to, you know, re-engage my core at the moment. And I'm struggling because it's so painful and I'm so weak in that area. Um, Mm. And that, didn't happen with Jesse. This is just new for me with Lola. And I just think I do have to keep revisiting that, that mantra, you know, yeah. nine months. But in nine months and then, you know, think maybe I should go and do some more work on that part. Yeah. It hasn't healed, I guess. Definitely. And I always say that to Zara too, who's seven. And she keeps saying to me, Oh, mommy, your tummy's still big. And I'm like, Yeah, well, it takes nine months to grow a baby. And so it's going to be at least nine months to go back and you know what it still might not go back because mm-hmm. everything's stretched I think that's really important like you've got two older girls too um are they yeah. interested in knowing about your body changes yeah they definitely are um one's eight and a very young eight um she's nine in February but she's quite young um in terms of still very innocent and, and naive um and the older one's 10 and she's highly intelligent and very aware of what's going on and changes and notices a lot of things um and she's more inquisitive um the other one just makes sort of passing you know straight up right. comments and not really too worried but the other one she you know she noticed said something the other day like 
oh, um, sometimes at nighttime, it looks like you're still pregnant. And I was like, she didn't mean it as any hurt or harm, but she said it. And I was like, yeah, babe, because my stomach stretched. You remember how big I was? Like I've eaten food today. So that's okay. It's totally normal. Um, And I know that she sort of made comments about other women in her life and noticing like stretch marks and things like that. And um, she's been like, well, when do you get them? Do you get them when you turn 18? And I'm like, no, you'd get them when you have a baby and they're totally normal and they might not ever go away. And that's okay too. Like, yeah she's got definitely got more questions than the other one but it's interesting how they perceive everything Mm. um I know the older one Raquel she's 10 I know that she didn't actually know how babies were born until Lola so with Jesse they just thought they just cut him out of my belly and it was a really simple little tiny scar and you can't see it anymore and I wasn't going to be the one to burst their bubble but yeah um I think she must have googled it or something because she was definitely very aware of what was going on the second time with Lola and she was like, I never want to do that. <laughs> I know. See, that's the funny thing about having your other children as well when you've got older kids around. I used to go into yeah. kindy drop-off with my pregnant belly and all the little girls at kindy would be like, how's the baby going to come out? And their mums were there and I'm kind of looking at their mums like, "Do you want? what do you want me to say? Because I say it to my daughter like, it sounds so funny, but for a kindy kid, you don't want to scare them. So I, I remember saying to her like, it just, it comes out of mummy's bottom <laughs> and then thinking <laughs> later, that doesn't make sense. I need to think no. about it. But like, you're not prepared for those conversations. Not at all. Like I'm not going to be the one to burst their bubble with life and living. And we've recently had to have the period chat and it's something that she really wanted to talk to me about. And I'm pretty open with that stuff. Um, and it was interesting because I know the younger one of the two, when I have that chat with her, I know she's not ready to hear it. Like I know that I will just burst her lifetime bubble. <laughs> she's like, what do you mean? I'm going to have to do that every single month forever. Like she won't get it. But the old one was like, oh, I just don't want to deal with it, you know? And I'm like, no, no, none of us do, babe, but this is what happens. <laughs> Gosh, you think back to that time in your life and it is all overwhelming and scary, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the best way to do it, especially with young girls, you know, in this current age in modern society where they've got TikTok accounts and Instagram accounts at 11 and 12 and things like that is just be really honest and just, you know, make it an open space for questions and let them know that they can ask anything. Nothing sounds stupid, nothing silly, and just create that space for them, that safe space to talk and communicate. And I think that's really a healthy way to go about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's so good. And I love that on your Instagram, you quite often post about your um, stepdaughters and your relationship with them and how sort of, what am I trying to say? How into it you are, how important it is to create that space. And I love that. Yeah, it definitely is. I, um, I definitely try to treat them like I treat my own and I've always, always done that from the start. And I, that doesn't come from a place of disrespect to the woman that is their mom. It comes from being a child of divorce and having women segregate me from their children. And I think that that was really, really hard as I was going through my teenagers and things. And whilst I respect the fact that they're not biologically my kids, I'll, I'll continue to treat them like my own. And they know that I'm their stepmom. They know that they've got a mum and one dad and that I can't replace those roles, but it's, it's a relationship with them that you can't really replace. Like it's, we're very, very close and um, yeah. And yeah, I've worked really hard to make sure that every, in every aspect of our relationship, that it is a safe space. That's such a credit to you. I love that. You're such an amazing woman. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Just talking about um, having 
you know, big kids at home and babies at home, what are some things that you've been going through at the moment, having a newborn and having older kids? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it is some days it's just survival mode. Like (laughs) I just can't, I, I try and be organized. And so when I say organized, like if I know it's time coming up for Chloe to have a bottle, I'll try and set some things up. So I know Adrian will be occupied or he's sitting right next to me. Cause I don't know if you get this with Jesse, but it's almost like the jealousy is the reason for things going like mental. So if he sees me cuddling Chloe or feeding her when he needs a cuddle, that's when a tantrum will happen or something like that. Letting go a little bit of... I don't know, just what's happening and just kind of going with the flow and surrendering. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I love that. You definitely need to surrender sometimes to the children and put the work, the chores, the to-do list. It has to be pushed to the side. And that's not all the time. Like sometimes, you know, you do have to be selfish and say, no, I really do have this stuff to get done. Um, You kids need to, you need to put your kids in front of the TV for 20 minutes before school. It just has to happen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's an hour. I'm not going to lie. It's an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, more some mornings, you know, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I totally, totally get it. I know that having the girls here sometimes is the biggest help and I love having them. Don't get me wrong. But then sometimes it's just chaos and I'm like, I just need a minute. So because we have 50-50, so week on, week off, when the week that they're at their mum's, things do calm down a little bit. But then there's situations where I'm feeding Lola um, and Jesse's climbing all over at me or he's throwing a tantrum or he wants something. And that's when I'm like, oh, I just wish the girls were here <laughs> because yeah. they'll hear him and they'll run, run and grab him and play with him just because yes. they know that I'm busy with the baby. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how things have changed having a newborn, a toddler and two older girls. <laughs> It's definitely a struggle. Um, We're very similar in that too, because you've got the older girls who have a particular need and then you've got the toddler and the baby. So the toddler and the baby are obviously hard because the age gap's close, but then, and the older girls are helpful, but they also need more like emotional mental support, which I personally find is hard when I'm really, Mm -hmm. really tired. I've been busy and it's so easy for me to say, Zara, just go and read a book or do your homework or just kind of say I'm busy right now. And that's a big change for me that I've had to realize is to actually like purposefully listen when she tells me something and not just tell her to go and keep herself occupied because she needs me too. Yeah, I've really noticed with um, Lexi, the middle one, basically she is going through something or she's really noticing that my time is limited now. And um, I suppose that Raquel, the older one, sort of needs me a little bit more sometimes with some things she likes to talk about things and communicate and you know sit down and have a chat when she's got something going on at school or whatever. And um, little Lex, I'm just sort of, being pulled between the two and I'll always sort of end up with Kel and um and then Jesse needs me and Lola needs me so I've been really trying to pick up on Lexi's vibes when you know she asked me to do something with her I know that she genuinely is saying I want to spend time with you I miss you can you do this with me please and last night's a prime example I was absolutely shattered I'd spent an hour in the room with Lola then I went into Jesse to put him down that took half an hour at the moment he's um his sleep is unreal but just putting him in the room when he knows that there's toys and fun outside the door. He wants to go out. So we're just having a bit of trouble with that. Um, Totally normal. And then 
you know, it was eight o'clock and eight o'clock in our house is um, technology downtime. So that was it, iPads away. And Lucy's like, can you please play with me? I really want to play trains. And this is Jessie's little train game that they have in the um, the kids' room. And she just desperately wanted me to do that with her. And I was like, yeah, I totally can. And Steve came out and was like, oh, Chris, you really going to play trains? Like, come on, Lex. Like, isn't there something else we can do? And I was like, no, she's asked to play trains. And Steve got down and we all played trains together with Lexi. And it was really important to her. And that was the best part of her day. When she went to bed, she said that that was the best part of my whole day. And I was like, see, totally worth it. 10 minutes out of my day. I was shattered, but it didn't matter. Exactly. And that's exactly the surrender thing. Like you could have just said, no, I've got to do this, this, but you're just like, you know what? No, it's 10 minutes. I'm just, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. that could probably lead on to, you, we were talking before about something that you thought would be good to talk about, about the tips or mum hacks. That yes. Could, yeah. So you go yes. first. I'm keeping yours. All right. So some mum hacks for you mums out there. Um, my number one is filling a laundry basket with what doesn't belong. So I will look around and scan the house or the bedroom or whatever room I'm in with an empty washing basket and I will fill it with whatever doesn't belong in that room. And then I will just put it to the side. So it either go in my room or the office or whatever until I've got time to unpack and put away. It just gives me clear path for the morning or afternoon or whatever for me to get done what I need to get done. Because as a rule, our house is as mums, we're pretty fanatic. I think most people do clean up behind themselves. That's just natural instinct for us. So like the kitchen will be clean, the lounge room will be clean, but there's just kids stuff everywhere that they will pick up and bring out and drop. So yeah, that one's really handy. Do you have one? I have one that is recently really helpful. I have just remembered it. I set up in the pantry, like snack boxes that the kids can reach So it means if I'm busy and I have like a healthy box and then like a sweets box and in the sweets box would be like tiny teddies. So they get to have one of those each day, but in the healthy box, it would just be like packets of rice crackers or popcorn, um, things like that. And they can also reach the fruit bowl. So if they're hungry, I'm just like, go and get your own snack. And that has helped so much because it means I don't have to prepare things. Um, yeah. That's so good. I actually, there is one that I just thought of. I, every morning, um, either when I get up or get home from the gym, I will go straight to the kitchen. I make Steve a coffee and myself a coffee, and then I will get all of the, so all of the cereals out and the milks, because each kid has different milk in my house. Um, <laughs> and I'll get it all out with two bowls and I'll put it on the bench so that the girls, because I, the first thing they ask me is, can I have breakfast? I'm hungry or I'm not hungry yet. And whenever they're going to ask me, it's, usually interrupting me doing something else that I was on. So I just put it on the bench and it's ready to go. And they come, they eat, they put their plate away, they put the cereal back away and that's it. So it's just like a little hack for them. Um, And I I just make our morning so much smoother because I'm not interrupted. Um, Another thing I love to do is setting a timer. Now there's two ways I go about timer. (laughs) The timer is either to get jobs done. So set it for like 12 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever. And I've got, you know, unpack the dishwasher, um, put the washing away, tidy the lounge room, whatever it is. And once the timer's on, I just go for it. And usually it will only take 10, 12 minutes, but for me looking at that space, I'm going, oh my God, this is going to take me all day. I'm so overwhelmed. And it just helps me just get stuck in and get it done. Um, the other thing with the timer is to time tasks that you don't like doing. So unpacking the dishwasher, folding and putting away a basket of washing, things like that. Cooking dinner. I hate all that sort of stuff. Let's be honest. I hate chores. I yeah. wasn't made to be a maid. Like that. 
<laughs> no one enjoys them, but I've timed them and I know that the dishwasher takes three minutes 30. I know that, you know, folding and putting away washing when it's two loads of washing takes 20 minutes. But in my head, when I see it, I'm like, oh, that's going to take me all day. And then, yeah, anyway, so I just use those little little tools in the, and hacks in the back of my mind and I'll just get in and get it done. I love that. And also another one would be to find like a podcast, maybe a 10 minute podcast or a 15 minute podcast and pop that on and know that you're just going to clean for the length of that podcast. And then that's enough, you know? So I love the timer one. That's a great hack. Absolutely. So what I know that you and I were chatting um, by Instagram about how things have shifted for us in terms of our emotions. And obviously that can in turn affect our relationships and things um, with having a newborn again and having another postpartum period where our our emotions are all quite heightened and you know you're breastfeeding you're exhausted and obviously the no sleep things are huge contributors so we're you know depleted and deprived and we've got other children so I know for me I felt quite for a minute there I felt quite pulled and mm. every direction and I remember saying to my husband sometimes it makes me feel like you're the fifth child here because I'm just being pulled and pulled and pulled and when I finally go to do something for me I'm like oh oh no I've got to I've got to be with you like this is our time now and I was then just pushing myself back and back and back did you feel that way as well oh gosh yes I love your analogy of the fifth child because you definitely feel like that getting everyone out the door you feel like you're getting even your husband out the door but um and I know heaps of people feel that too Sorry, I've got Chloe here and she's grumpy because normally she's sleeping. <laughs> um, she just wants to join in. She's like, this is yeah. about me. I want to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I definitely remember being really angry at Simon after Chloe was born. And I think it's just this subconscious thing in you where you almost feel like it's not fair. How come I'm the one that has had to go through absolutely everything I've gone through birth. I've gone through pregnancy. I've like, I'm trying to recover and now I'm breastfeeding and like you still get to have sleep. And I think you just, I don't know, subconsciously become a bit resentful. So I think noticing that and actually talking to him about it. So those feelings when Zara was born, your first baby, you almost feel like you have to take it all on and you don't want to say anything to your partner or your husband about it. Um, But I've learned now third time around just to tell him and talk to him about it because he's my partner, like he's my sounding board and he's understanding and he'll say like, I get how you're feeling that way. That's normal. He'll kind of bring me back down to a good level and then we can talk about how he can help and stuff like that. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend recently actually about communicating with their partners and one of the things I said to her, she was having a bit of trouble with getting out what she wanted to say or just assuming that he should know things and I just said to her, babe, he cannot read your mind. You know, we can't put an expectation surrounding something and then not tell someone how we expect them to act or be or feel or or do things, we need to explain and, and help someone understand because they didn't physically go through the changes we did. So it's up to us to really take responsibility and support our partners to understand and support us. Um, I know we, there was this conversation I had with Steve ages ago now, like probably a month or two, and um, he was driving, going to work in the car and said like 10 minutes, he's only got 10 minutes between meetings or something. And I was like, I would kill for 10 minutes alone in the car. 
Yeah, with a and coffee, drive through Maccas. Yeah. yeah, he was like, what do you mean? I said, do you know the last time I was on in the car on my own? And he was like, wow, I didn't think of it like that. Like I take that for granted every day and every afternoon. He just, you know, gets that drive of that thinking time, clears his head, makes a call, listens to a podcast, you know. And here I am like, oh, I just want the baby to stop screaming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that definitely shifted a bit in him and he was like, wow, okay, definitely understand that there's not a lot of alone time for you and it's so important. Yeah, I have to agree. And I think the biggest thing is to yeah, trust your partner with telling them the truth and letting them talk to you about it. Exactly what you said. Guide them through it. Yeah, they just need a bit of a hand with it. Like my husband's incredible. He is you know, I'm sure your husband is as well, just an amazing father. And he's so supportive in every aspect of anything that any of us choose to do under this roof. And um, he's an incredible man. And I'm very, very lucky to have someone so supportive. Um, But I know that, you know, sometimes I do need to support him and explain these things to him because these physical and emotional changes that we go through from childbirth, matrescence, that term that that I've recently been talking about, it's huge. It's like going through adolescence and it's a magnified hormonal shift internally and externally that we're going through and we need as much support as we can get. So we really need to take responsibility though, because they don't know what's going on for us Mm. unless we tell them. And I think on that as well, they don't mind doing things, but you do need to tell them. You can't expect, like you said, with your friend, you can't expect them to read your mind. Like women and men are different. And honestly, I know personally, I'll get annoyed if my husband doesn't do certain things. However, if I'd just asked him real quick, he would have just done it. And then it would have avoided the whole, well, how come this isn't done? You know? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Husbands, hey, partners. (laughs) Just on um, what we were talking about here a little bit about you time and self-care and I was talking about the car being, you know, that's like a form of self-care for me sitting in the car alone. What are some things that you're doing at the moment in, you know, newborn life for self-care? I have to be honest, Chris, there isn't much self-care at the moment because she's only eight weeks old. You know, there's three kids. You get it. I really want to spend time on it, but it's so hard. I think the first thing that I've done recently is I was having a bit of a breakdown last week. It was all too much. And I sat down with my husband and I said, I'm finding this really hard. Um, I need to start doing some things for me. And he said, like, how can I help you? So I just said, can you take all the kids for a few hours on Saturdays? Um, and then I know I can book an appointment then, like maybe I can go get my eyebrows waxed. I could go to a Pilates class. I could go shopping just on my own without the pram. And I did that last Saturday and it was the most revitalizing thing I've done in the last eight weeks, just to be able to go on an escalator, like, you know what I mean? Without having a pram. Yeah. Without a pram, without worrying about shoelaces getting caught in the face. Yeah. Ordering a coffee without having to get a baby chino and then cleaning up after it. You know what I mean? Like, um, so (laughs) the pleasures, um, yeah, self-care is so important. And I'm really, really trying to bring that in more. Um, I think for me, one of the biggest ones is walking my sunrise walks along the beach. So I really want to start doing those again, but it's hard when you've got a newborn baby who's waking up all night. Um, but it is something where you've got to just have the willpower and push yourself 
like you going yeah. to the gym, I know you go to the gym. Um, do you find that some days it's hard to make yourself go? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So for the first, I started training again, I think it was four weeks postpartum and when I, and that's not for everyone. And I completely understand that I'd had, I'd trained consistently six days a week, pretty full on until uh, my last trimester when I was in a lot of pain and I actually couldn't even go for a walk for the last 12 weeks. So it was a very different pregnancy this time to my last. And so for me being in that mobile, non-mobile state, I found really frustrating mentally. Um, so as soon as I had the opportunity, I started walking again and that's just literally pushing the double pram up to the, walk the girls to school and back. It wasn't much, very light. Um, and then I started training again and it was extremely light and it was under with a personal trainer and it was under their guidance. So I was very cautious of doing damage. Um, I think my last return to fitness with Jesse, I did do damage from, how hectic I went. I was getting married in 12 weeks after I had Jesse. So I had a bit of a mindset thing there and I think I pushed too hard and I think I'd done some damage um, because this time I believe it's been like flared back up. That's what someone's told me. Um, but anyway, yeah. So with going back to the gym a couple of weeks ago um, and starting at the 5am sessions again. So that means that I get up at quarter past four for me, that was with the convenience of Lola. So assuming that she's asleep or she had a feed at three, which at three or two o'clock, then she'll sleep through till six. I get home at six and all the babies, including Steve, everyone's asleep. And that works for me and my family. Um, and I get that time to me. Yep. So for me, getting out of bed when I'm exhausted. So like last night, Lola, um, we lost her dummy. So we've had a bit of a night where she was so unsettled and she wouldn't resettle for anything. She didn't want the boob. I was I'll go into this in a moment, but I've had my period return um, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think that my milk has like slowed up a bit for her because she just fed for like three hours last night mm. and I was exhausted this morning when the alarm went off, but I was like, this is the only chance I have today to do this. If I don't go now, I don't get to go yeah. and this will set me up for the morning. Pull your ass up, get out of bed, make the coffee, put your clothes on and just show up. It wasn't my best session. I didn't, you know, I didn't overpower myself and I had just had a good crack and I felt amazing when I walked out of that gym and the sun was coming up and I came home to my babies and I'm like still on a high, like the endorphins are still going. So yeah, it's so worth it. Sometimes you just need that little voice in the back of your head saying, get your ass up. You can do it. I yeah. think you've just motivated me to start getting back because I know that feeling. I've literally got goosebumps. You're reminding me of that feeling. You, you've got to push yourself. And when you've finished the class, you come home, you feel great and everyone's still asleep. It's a mindset thing too. It really does start your day off in a great place. Hey, if I'd had four hours, no sleep instead of three hours, no sleep. So I would have, I had to get up when Jesse wakes at 6.05 on the dot every day, 6.05. I had to get up anyway. So knowing that it's an hour or it's 30 minutes or it can be 12 minutes. It doesn't matter what it is. You just need to get up and walk outside and start, start somewhere. And you'll just, you'll feel so much better because I'm a better mom, a better wife. I'm a better stepmom. I'm a better friend in every aspect of my life if I'm getting up and moving my body and getting that mental therapy in. Gosh, I couldn't agree more. I just love that. That's so inspiring. <laughs> um, but I'm really interested. I'm so interested for you to talk about this period thing. So you recently posted or you tell the story. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so I got my, um, as I mentioned earlier, I've had that lower abdomen sort of 
pain. It's like a muscular pain. Um, and it got, I went for a run on Sunday. Um, I'm, I have returned to running about five, six Ks, nothing to what I used to do, but I'm still quite slow and I take it quite easy. And I do get a bit of pain after just like in my lower abdomen. So this time it was really hurting. And I was like, oh, far out. I've got really bad pains. And then I started getting cramps. And I was like, I've got cramps as well. This is not good. And then Monday morning, alarm went off. I was like, going to go to the gym. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm bleeding. I've got, and I just thought because I'm breastfeeding, there's no way it's my period. So it didn't even cross my mind. I'm like, I've got an infection. And so I thought, you know, I'm up, I'm pouring down rain. I can go back to bed or I can go to the gym. I went to the gym and I just walked on the treadmill for 40 minutes only because I knew I wouldn't be able to get that movement in for the rest of the day. And I didn't want to hurt myself if I've got an infection or something. I just had no idea what was going on. And I had really intense period cramps and they felt like period cramps though. And, um, and then, yeah, I rang my doctor and I spoke to a few girlfriends. I'm like, nope, mine returned. Mine came back six weeks postpartum. Mine came back four weeks postpartum. So many women have experienced this and I had no idea. And they're like some women breastfed for two years and they got their period straight after they had their baby like clockwork. And I was like, what do you mean? My midwife, my OB, my GP, everyone told me, oh, you're breastfeeding. You won't have a period. So that's good. Nope. I just find it so, and I love following your Instagram with this whole thing that you've been posting about it because you've had so many women come back and say, I thought the same thing. I thought breastfeeding, no period, but I got mine. And it just, it's exactly the whole stigmas surrounding pregnancy birth. There's so many things that there's, I really don't think there's any normal, hey. No, nothing at all. Like, and everyone's got a different journey. And I, I just wish that I'd didn't have that thought process that there is no way it could be my period. And I just immediately went into, I've got an infection. How am I going? Jesse's not in daycare today. So how am I going to, who am I going to get for Jesse so I can go into the doctor? Who's going to have Lola so that I can get like assessed at the doctors properly? Um, you know, do I go and see the women's health physio? Do I go and see my OB? Like, who do I see here? What's the problem here? And have I done this from running yesterday? And it was from the three hours that I got home, sorry, that I woke up at 5am till like 8, 8.30. I was in a bit of a panic state because I was really worried that I'd done some permanent damage. And that's been something I've been quite fearful of doing the whole time with returning to exercise because I am someone that will push a little bit too hard and get too excited and push through the pain because I'm like, any pain is good pain. Like mm. it's, it's not, and I know that, but I will push through. And I really wanted to focus this time on not doing that because I don't want to hurt myself. Mm. Um, and I've got time to recover like nine months in, nine months out, as we were saying exactly. earlier. Yeah. Yes. I think that's really hard actually around how, if you had have known that that was a possibility you wouldn't have had those few hours of complete like panic and And what about like I didn't even put in a tampon because I was so scared that I had an infection that I'd make it worse (laughs) this is the thing what I'm actually going to my OB today and I'm actually going to ask her what's the deal with tampons postpartum like obviously you don't want to use them straight away but when you're bleeding for freaking eight weeks like I know. And I was too scared to use them. I was like, can I make things worse by using a tampon here? Or like, what do you do? I don't want to wear these nappies for the rest of my life. My God. So if anybody knows, if anyone's a doctor or a midwife or something, please leave us a comment on Instagram telling us what the deal is with tampons and postpartum bleeding. (laughs) Please. I would love to know that. Absolutely. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, And how are you feeling now? Now that you have shared that with your followers, you know, it's a period. (laughs) 
Do you feel yeah, like you I feel better and it makes sense. My skin broke out and my skin's been like, I've had that pregnancy glow for a couple of years because I had <laughs> Jesse and I was breastfeeding and then I had Lola and was breastfeeding again. And I was like, oh, this is good. I could get used to this. And my skin broke out. And I was just shocked on the weekend. I'm like, why is my skin like this? I haven't had skin like this in years, but it was just my period. And then I was craving chocolate and I was craving bacon and like all carbs. all the yucky yeah. yeah just carbs heavy carbs and um and I was really overtired and I'd slept more than usual I'm always tired but like I was sleeping reasonable hours so it makes sense I was getting my period and I was just in that week before period state and um yeah super interesting though hey yeah so I think the message is out there to any new mums or any like mums who have little babies don't think anything is wrong like just ask a health professional or if you've got a social account just ask your followers this is what I love about socials we can all help each other I know I know I know you got some pretty crazy messages through Instagram when you put something similar up what what's were people kind of saying so the biggest one because yeah I asked you guys on my Instagram if you could send through some of the things that happened post-birth that you had no idea would happen heaps of women had the same things that we've already spoken about but one of the biggest ones that I wanted to share which I was completely shocked about and I felt so bad for this mom she said that she had an episiotomy in birth um, and it was a big one and the healing was not great Um, four weeks later she still had pain and it wasn't great and she had to go in and rehab the episiotomy because um yeah it wasn't healing properly so she had to rehab it re-stitch it up and go through the healing process again and I said to her I am so sorry you went through that that is absolute hell like I didn't know that was a possibility Oh my God. I didn't even know if I'm honest. I didn't even know what that was until I was pregnant with Jesse. Really? Yeah. Well, you don't know. You wouldn't know that. No. Yeah. It's not something that probably should be had when you're talking about birthing in high school. Like, yes, female that women should know or expect, I guess, because it was such a rude shock and there was so much fear for me surrounding having to have that Mm -hmm. because it was so new. If I had this expectation or it was a conversation I'd had over the years with my mom or like school teachers or something, then at least I would be expecting that that could be a possibility. It wouldn't be such a big deal. Like labor is a pretty big deal regardless. You've got most women, if you're having a vaginal birth, you've got a watermelon coming out of your vagina. Oh, yeah. When you're a kid and you first hear it, it's a shock, but you get used to the idea after, you know, so many years for like new information surrounding labors and, and episiotomies and things like I wish I knew about that before, Jesse, because I did have so much fear that I was going to have that. Mm-hmm. I read, oh, no, sorry, I'm part of this program that's like a postpartum recovery and they had a video from a women's health physio and she had researched all the numbers and apparently 70 or 75% of women in birth will either have a tear or have an episiotomy so that it's completely normal and it should be expected and we shouldn't be scared of it because it's just what the body has to do, you know. I had a tear with Jesse and it was just one, but then I was really um, lucky I didn't with Lola. Mm. Um, I don't know why. I probably should have, but I, yeah, I don't know why. I didn't. I feel really bad saying this because people know, hate me, <laughs> but I, I didn't I didn't tear with any of the kids. But you know what? With oh. Zara, I did perineal massage, which at the time I was like, oh, this is so gross. I can't believe I'm doing it. But I literally did it every single day from about 16 weeks. And oh. I think it helped. 
Yes, it's a conversation me and my husband actually had um, for him to do that. And I was like, yeah, no, you're not going there. No. Well, you have to tell <laughs> them this is not sexual. This is purely yeah, for like, physical reasons. <laughs> you can't control their reactions to that you sort can't. of thing. <laughs> so true. I mean, like, it's more annoying. <laughs> the thought Maybe of that's that. why <laughs> Zara was born early because <laughs> there was a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they say that. That's the other thing, like myths and like um, you know, old wives' tales and things where to bring on the baby. Let me tell you, from a woman coming that had Jesse, that was six days overdue, three days before Christmas, oh. and Lola, I was induced five days early. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't think that any of the old wives' tales. I done everything, everything, and none of it works. So. Nah. It's when baby's ready, when your body's ready. I'm like, science doesn't even know what brings on the baby. So, 100%. I want women to stop telling other women, oh, go for a walk around the block or have sex or do this or do that. It's done. No, because it doesn't work for everyone. Stop saying that because you make people feel like there's something wrong with their babies. And when they're not getting the result of, you know, labor coming on because they're doing all these old wives' tales, these are just wives' tales. They're not science yeah that's right and then we question ourselves and our worth and all of that it's yeah you just have to go with the flow and let your body tell you when it's ready yes absolutely all right so I've got one question for you yeah um that I really want to ask you before we wrap this up but confessional what is something that you did for your first so something you really prioritized that you were like obsessed with you know for me it was was a baby pram. I spent a fortune on a baby pram and then I didn't even use it for the second time. Um, What was something that you did that you definitely didn't do for your second or third? I have to say with Chloe this time, and I feel really guilty for saying it, but I'm going to say it because (laughs) it's a reality. I am not spending time with her, like doing all the things like when Zara was born and even when Adrian was born, cause there was a big age gap, I would sit with them on the floor and do the tummy time and encourage them and be like, yay, read them the black and white books and <laughs> see their reactions. And this time I'm like, sorry, dude, you can just lay there and listen to the noise of your brother and sister. And like, I don't have time. So that is a confessional. <laughs> Yes, I am totally the same. And I don't know about you, but um, in my house, bathing, bathing for little Lola. Well, Jessie gets a bath like two a day, but poor Lola, our bath is so low and I have to reach over and it hurts my back and I just like to do it. I've got to set aside like some really good time, like a good 20 minutes and I'm like, And sometimes you just forget. And I don't know whether I should say that out loud, but you do, you forget to bath your baby when there's four. (laughs) Honestly, I'm with you, babe. Do you know what? When Chloe gets a bath, it's in the basin (laughs) while Zara's in the shower and Adrian's in the bath. And I'll quickly give Zoe, Zoe, Chloe, a little wipe over (laughs) in the, in the basin. (laughs) So there you go. I'm with you. I love it. Yeah, no, there's heaps of things that I definitely prioritize with Jesse. And even like pre having him, my preconceived ideas of these things that I had to have, like he was not going to watch TV before he was two years old because TV is bad and that's going to mess up his development. And no, 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 no. He's been watching TV since he like got home. Like he's and he's fine and sometimes you just need the tv to function and another confessional sometimes there's two tvs going in my house because when he transfers from one room to the next room I need him to be distracted in the next room and not at my feet yes 
Oh my gosh. I spent like months before Chloe was born training Adrian to watch the iPad because I was like, I need you to watch the screen. Because before that, he didn't have the attention span to sit and stare at the TV. So I literally was like searching through trying to find shows that he would sit and watch. So I knew I would have time to myself. So I feel you. And the other thing is like getting Maccas or microwave meals with my first. I was like, no way. I'm going to cook everything from scratch. And now, like I give the other kids the microwave meals. It'll be Macca's dry, at least bread with tomato sauce. <laughs> yes. The, the other night, it was literally just tinned baked beans. Sorry, yeah. that's what you're having. <laughs> Fun for everyone. I'm down for that. That's a great dinner. <laughs> yeah, it was good, except for the nappy changes the next day. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I hope some mums have gotten some laughs out of this chat and some, you know, some of these things have hit home for you, ladies. Yeah, I'm sure everyone will relate and we would absolutely love for you to come and comment on our Instagrams with any funny things that you have or serious things either post-birth. So please, please do. Even DM us. If you're not willing to share, definitely direct messages because we would love to hear your stories. Yeah, it's important. Well, thank you so much, babe. This was really fun. It was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.